and welcome to another episode of Nick and John is This, the Evangelion. It's good to be back. It is good. Me. I'm Nick. Oh, I'm John. Oh, Sorry. Oh, oh, no. No, I, saw, I forgot. <laughs> no, I said it is Nick at the same time uh, that you said I'm Nick. But it is good to be back. And I'm also Nick. And I'm John. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> What's happening? The intro is as confusing as Evangelion itself. This is um, the body is willing. No, the mind is willing. The flesh is weak. Yes. Uh, there, this is a plague house at the weekend. <laughs> and yeah, I'm... I'm still keeping my force field up. I'm, I'm confident I can get through this. Yeah, I maintain that you're probably safe at that end of a room. <laughs> yeah, for those of you who can't see, we are so far apart. <laughs> there is so much cling film across every surface in here. Just like keep a it. web. Uh, but how are you doing, Nick? I'm, I'm actually very well. Yeah, I'm good. I'm tired, but uh, I'm good. Very good. Had a good weekend. It is, yeah. yeah, it's been all right. Aside from a bit of a bit of lurgy doing around. A bit of lurgy and a bit of rain. But what's one thing... I can always raise our spirits. The one thing we can rely on, John, mm. to, to lift that mood, to turn that frown into a deeper frown. Into a deeper frown. And terrify us. <laughs> into an expression of bafflement. <laughs> Evangelion, of course. Evangelion. And we're back for episode eight of Evangelion, yeah. the original series, which is called... Asuka Strikes! Or... Asuka arrives in Japan. Which is the uh, the literal translation, translation. Of the Japanese title, which is Asuka Rani, uh, Rainichi. Would you like another factoid? Tell me. Uh, we refer to the giant alien monsters mm. as angels. We do. Apparently, a better, more direct translation of the Japanese is apostle. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. And I guess... Because an apostle is like a dedicated follower yeah. to, to sort of like a, a prophet of some kind or... I'll be honest with you, I get, I get a little confused. But were the apostles the same as the disciples? Was the, were the apostles another name for uh, that's a good point. the disciples? No, I, I think I was just quoting what I thought was a definition of a disciple. Mm. Now I don't know what an apostle is. Because there were 12 disciples, were they not? And I think I've also heard them described as the 12 apostles. Yeah, you know what I feel like I have as well? But maybe they like... Maybe they leveled up to apostles after they died. They leveled up after they died. <laughs> you unlocked so a new. I'm, I'm going off on a complete. Tangent. No apostle. Tangent. Each of the twelve chief disciples of Jesus Christ. Oh, so they're the same. Oh, okay, there we go. Well, uh, I guess so. Yeah, either a messenger of God or a follower of God. I guess depending on the definition. Yeah, I mean, either way, they're they're not really reporting to anyone. Or following the teachings or disciplines of anyone else, they're, mm. they're acting purely on instinct, it would seem, and 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 sort of cosmic drive. I think it's one of the things we discussed in an early episode, where calling them angels as opposed to kind of just calling them like aliens, weird or, things, or monsters, or coming up with a new name like the Scuggabells or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> Scuggabell attack. Oh no, the Scuggabells again. Ah. Ah, I can't take it seriously. But um, yeah, it kind of implies in some way that they are reporting to a higher power. Definitely. Which of yeah. course, you know, very much ties into the themes of Yeah. The and it also sets them apart nicely. Like, because I think if they they called them aliens, it'd be like, oh, it's just a story about giant robots fighting off aliens. No matter how weird the show might have been, like angels set it in your head that there's something differently weird about yeah. them. Yeah. This is good. I always love that kind of thing. It's like having and I think I am repeating myself now because I swear I've said this before, but I love the idea of having giving something terrifying a really Innocuous. lovely name. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like uh, calling something really grim the flower. Yeah. Oh, stuff. That, that's cool. Or Doris. Doris, yeah. Doris is coming. Doris attacks. <laughs> well, uh, I guess this episode. we, uh, as we mentioned, I think in our last episode, we had assumed that the last episode was going to be this episode. Yeah, and the, got our wires crossed. We did get our wires crossed. It was the long-awaited appearance, first appearance of Asuka. Yes. And as I was just saying off-air, I always <laughs> refer to her... When you're reading it, it looks like Asuka. 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 And is there, is there not also a... Is there not a Street Fighter enemy called Asuka? I don't know. No. I don't know Street Fighter that well. No. And that's unrelated. It is, unrelated. I guess. Really, you might you might call it irrelevant. <laughs> yes, a non sequitur. But just because we uh, we had expectations about the previous episode, mm. and they turned out to be unfounded, and also it was really good. The last episode was great, astounding episode. Yeah. Uh, now, finally, our expectations were met. We were correct. Stabilized. Yeah. So, Nick, shall we? Let's get straight in. Where do we start? Where does it? 
Start at the beginning of the episode, of course, um, where the tiniest of scenes, as you said at the time, blink and you'll miss it. We see Gendo in his expansive office. I think he needs to decorate a little bit. I also wish that he would turn his uh, sunglasses down a bit. Because <laughs> they, they were radiant. <laughs> like, like just the most piercing light coming yeah. from his, his I spectacles. mean, he's underground. He's yeah. on the top of the pyramid underground. There, there's not a huge amount of natural light in there. His room was pretty dark. Like maybe was. he does actually just have torch glasses. But it would probably take a good minute to walk from the door to enter the office to get to his centrally located yeah. desk. <laughs> What if he needs a toilet? He's got to walk for another minute. I mean, maybe there's a toilet the other way. It's a massive commute. Or maybe he presses a button and a little, <laughs> like a little toilet cubicle rises up out of the ground. He just does it in his seat. <laughs> it's just too much effort to walk anywhere. Hey, look, when you're director of Nerve, you go wherever you want. Yeah, or you, yeah, exactly. That's why Nerve is so big. As you, a get, structure. you get Fuyutsuki to come along and he'll just clean it up. <laughs> That's his job. I mean, he doesn't do he's anything else. Job. He's like a butler. He's got, he's got a little dustpan and brush. They never actually clean up anything. No. And they just move to another room. That's why the whole thing's always shot from the waist up. <laughs> they're just walking in filth. Just human filth. <laughs> and no trousers. <laughs> and no trousers. But when he's... <laughs> so for all we know, he was on the toilet. But what was Gendo saying? He was saying, oh, I can't remember, John. It was something about um, the cargoes in transit, wasn't yes. it? Yes. And yeah. he said it should be midway across the Atlantic Pacific, Pacific by now. Yes. So then, suddenly, smash cut to a, like a military helicopter. Yes. A very chunky helicopter. Very, very chunky. It's obviously carrying something. And it has some passengers. It does have some passengers. It has three high school kids and Misato. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Shinji and his two school chums, Toji and Kentuke. So it's a little, it's a little diverging from what we're used to in that it's like a road trip. Yeah. And Shinji and Misato makes sense are, are on a helicopter ride to join a fleet of battleships and aircraft carriers, which is making its way across the Pacific. Of course. Yes. That's yes. Right. Okay. Yeah. For some reason, we also brought along. Um, Toji and Kensuke. Toji and Kensuke, uh, Shinji's comedy buddies. <laughs> Kensuke uh, is um, <coughs> filming everything. You're choking on, his... on your own rage. I am. <laughs> I'm choking on these awful story decisions. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah, he's filming everything on his little handicam. Because as we've learned before, he's a bit of a military nerd. He is. And he's spotting all sorts of things. He's calling out aircraft carriers and battleships and other helicopters and fighter jets and stuff. Like, whoa, look at that. Look at that, that's a, that's a boat. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's, that's a, one of those, boat 23. That's a level one boat. Yeah, it's boating at boat face. Oh, there's another boat. <laughs> Didn't expect to see that. And that's a different variety of boat. I feel like this scene exemplifies mm. uh, what I consider to be the two schools of thought on making <laughs> Evangelion, right? right yeah. There was, there was a big group of people, I feel, wanted to make a family-friendly Monster of the Week adventure robot show with yes. kids. And then there was two or three people, maybe just one, <laughs> who wanted to make a cosmic apocalyptic nightmare <laughs> this is... and they somehow had to fuse these two things together this one's weird this one is like the, almost the definition of monster of the week yeah which is weird because you think about like jet alone which should have been just the utter throwaway monster of the it, week yeah 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 and we learned so like we came away with so this much this is what's so great about monster of the week stories if yeah. they're done right and i feel like jet alone and this episode like the, this could be what it was. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm not necessarily saying it would have been better if it had been. Yeah. But these two episodes, and there'll be maybe more of them, make us feel like imagine if that was the show. Imagine if it was like Avatar: The Last Airbender or or Korra. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. imagine if it was like that. This is a very wacky <laughs> episode. I think wacky is. But then there's also great action in it. There is some, there's good, some action. good character moments, and the plot is advanced and the mythology is enhanced. So you know it does exactly what a Monster of the Week type show should do. Um, but, but it feels like it's, it's been inserted from a parallel universe. Like, yeah. if the entire series had been like this, it would have been a very, very different beast. Yeah, oh, definitely. And I, I think, because uh, one of the weirdest things is, like, they land, they, they're flying in this helicopter, and they land, mm. and immediately it's, like, hijinks, and, like... Oh. Uh, and this theme music starts. Not that that isn't awesome, <laughs> but we have to talk about the painting of four men. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because they land on the surface of this boat and immediately, you know, it's all Kensky and Toji are running around and uh, Toji's hat is Gets blown, blown off, off in the and wind. he's chasing the hat and they all run in profile across... From right to left across the screen. still image of four military personnel. <laughs> Jovial sailors. Just kind of standing there like, a, like... Frozen in time. And you think like, oh, there's some guys. 
And I know they're just saving the budget on animation, but it's really jarring when these four men do not move at all. Yeah. I mean, it'd be fine if they were like tiny one centimetre high figures in the background. Yeah. Your eye would excuse that. But they're right here. They're, they're r- real close. Their faces are as big as the faces of those that are moving from right to left of the kids. I want it to pull out. And to see, it was like it was a just a, a, a painting. It was like a kind of join the navy kind of like promotional portrait or something. Yeah, it was really weird. It, yeah, and it also they weren't stood like if they were stood to attention, then that would be a pose that you'd expect. Yeah, they, yeah, they in. could have just been saluting. That would have been. But good. they were like mid, like hey, their fists are in the air, their their heads were thrown back in laughter. They were mid, like being jovial. It looked like a beer advert. It did. Like four guys, and then and then three kids hard. and Masato walk. In front of them. <laughs> Sipping a brew. They're really well animated. But the people in the background are less so. So from that stellar moment... Yeah, that was great. Then uh, this weird honky-tonk kind of... Kind of country-western kind blinky of... Country-western guitars. And we're like, oh, I haven't heard this one before. Yeah, but and I... we were like, ah, I bet this is the Oscar theme. And then uh, the hat is blowing along the ground. Uh. We're just chasing it. And then suddenly a girl's foot comes <gasps> down and steps... Steps on the, on the hat. Steps on the hat. <laughs> And Misato is like, oh, hello, Asuka, you've grown. Yeah. And then rather awkwardly, she goes, yes, I'm not just taller, my figure has filled out as well. Because that's what that's what a girl of 13 would say. Well, like, great, 14. that's a bit odd, a bit, bit of an odd way to say hello. And, uh, <laughs> you haven't said anything else yet, and that's the first thing you say. And I think at this moment, because it has been a very long time since I saw this episode, but at this moment I was like, oh, don't be an upskirt shot. And but I remembered. I remembered. It yeah, was you know it's coming. And just as she gets her big screen reveal, this is who Oscar is, and she says her name. Then the wind blows, and to we don't see it. Some credit we don't actually, for once, incredibly see up anyone's skirt. It's no. wonderful. It's sort of like a, a cheeky cutaway, uh, uh, and and we hear, and that's when the title card comes up with yeah. Oscar strikes, and it, and quite humorously, the words of the title appear in time with slaps. Someone's being hit. Obviously, are Shinji, Kensuke, and Toji all being slapped? Well, Toji's the only one with like an imprint on the side of his face. Shinji had a, an imprint as well. Oh, did he? Yeah, but Kensuke was crying and didn't have an imprint. Oh, seemingly. We but, can th- but there were definitely three slaps. Yes. <laughs> so, I mean, hide hijinks just like it's. But also, like Toji was on the floor, like picking up his hat. So he obviously had a front row seat. But Kensuke and Shinji were, were far away next to Misato. Mm. And, and then the wind blew, which was no one's fault. And yeah. then she goes around hitting people. So she's made a great first impression there. I, I guess, feel. I don't know. This is weird. I, it, it could be said that it's like, this is an introduction to her character. And she's brash and in your face and, and aggressive. And she's everything that Shinji isn't. Yeah. But it's like, even just talking about the scene, I, I'm just like, <laughs> oh, this could all just be summed up as hijinks. Like, I, I, I just, I was struggling to kind of... Yeah. Be engaged in it. it just... I feel like I feel like everything you said about her character was true, and they wanted to introduce that and make that very very clear that the off that, that we've got a new pilot on the scene. You've seen two already. Here's a third. She's nothing like anyone you've already seen. That's fine. But the driving force behind the scene was an upskirt scene. That, that's, yeah. Let's be honest here. And for all we know, we are watching a European edit of it, and maybe it was more graphic. Oh, you never know. A Japanese edit. I don't actually know. And and then you know, then suddenly Toji. Because she's like, he's like saying, why did you slap me? And she's like, well, you looked at my skirt. That was the cost. I'm yeah. paraphrasing. And, and she's very like, you know, kind of... I think it was a bargain. You know, she's quite like a, like, like sexually aggressive in an odd way. Like yeah, she's kind she of, is, she's yeah. just like, yeah, deal with it. I'm a woman. What are you going to do? And then he just goes, well, fine. I, and then he takes his trousers off to kind of like say, look, yeah. I, I saw up your skirt. You can see down. And again, we don't see it. But Mercifully. his dangler is out there. But it's like out on deck in front of loads of frozen in time soldiers. <laughs> I guess it depends like how how meta you want to say it is and how much credit you want to give the creators. Because it's like we have a, we talked about the awkwardness of that whole scene where Ray Shinji walks oh, in on yeah. Ray and she's naked and Which is still much worse. And we, we much yeah. But we talk about how the point of that like maybe the point of that scene was to demonstrate that Ray has no personal boundaries and yeah. doesn't think of herself. And we're like, hmm, I guess we have learned something about the character. And maybe the point of this scene is to show that Asuka is sexually confident and aggressive. And wild. But it's like, did it, in both situations... It did never it, required nudity. Was it, it just never did. It just had to, like... And, it, and it's all done in this really kind of... And we've got this weird plinky-plonky <laughs> kind of... <laughs> oh, shucks, kind of like... And, and, as, and a, good, a good point as well, because Asuka is meant to be German-Japanese, yeah. I think, of yeah. dual nationality. And yet, for some reason, her theme 
is, is American, American country a western? It, it doesn't make no any sense. I always and it's funny because I remember when I was first watching it as a kid. Um, so much of of like the you could argue the subtleties of the show wash over you when you're watching something like this for the first time. So much to take in, you know. And it isn't until you watch it fourth or fifth time you actually start to realise, oh, they said that there, oh, they did that. And I remember one of the first things is that the the fact she was German completely washed over me. Yeah. But the fact that she was dual nationality didn't, and I did as a kid think she was American. Yeah. And I bet that's the music's fault. She. And I don't know, I, I, I'm not stereotyping Americans here, but the way she is presented yeah. and written by a Japanese... A stereotypical yeah. like, way you'd write an American. And it, it is, and, and I think even, they're being transported by like uh, the UN Navy. Yeah. Because the Navy is like the world power now. Yeah. But they come across as like, American. Like American, yeah. As in is like the pride of a fleet. It seems like a big American naval presence. Because yeah. Germany now... Uh, it's not really known for its navy. If it? you think, where did they come from? Because if they're crossing the Pacific to Japan, yeah, then they must have come from like the west coast of America. And I thought, because again, this hasn't come up in the series yet, but I thought that Germany built Unit Two. Yeah, and because because like, and America built Unit Three. Is well, that right? Because it blows up, doesn't it? Later, yeah. in the, sorry, spoilers. But later in the series, like there's talk about the Americans are trying to build another unit. Yeah, and doesn't oh, it it, something wrong. go terribly wrong? Yeah. yeah. So it's not like it's like every nation is trying to do one, is it not? <clears throat> but if you were going to do like a stereotypical German character, that is not the way you'd go. No, and, and yeah. I commend them for not going for stereotypes. That's good. Like we don't want stereotypical storytelling. But it's, it's told in kind of like broad strokes, isn't it? It is. It's like you know, you and have... you wouldn't, you wouldn't, yeah, you wouldn't blame it for it. No, and it's like. But instead, we have this incredibly gregarious Yeehaw, I, character. I, I guess we do learn some stuff about Asuka. Like, as much as like it's maybe presented in a slightly clumsy way, we see that she's very kind of like in your face. Yes, but also seems to have this kind of like it, it, coming from like a place of weakness, like insecurity. She, yeah, massively Major insecurity. Has yeah. to feel she has to like prove herself even what? from minute one. Because I mean, the, the conversation. Uh, quickly moves on to Shinji who's the third child like Oscar wants to know and the first thing she says when she comes face to face with him is oh he seems a little bit dull she's already trying to put herself on a higher level than him yeah and she's got a very high opinion of her because of course like uh, because again we're kind of not really going over the plot with like a fine tooth comb here because they're almost at this point isn't a lot at this point no because they talk and then they talk but stuff is revealed like that for example, she's kind of special because she's piloting unit EVA Unit 2. Yeah. Which is um, the first EVA built for combat. Yeah, built especially for this reason. It's like uh, Unit 0 was the test unit, like the prototype. Unit 1, I think there was like some throwaway thing where that was meant to be like a synchronization test. Uh, it was really? something like... Because um, she feels threatened by Doesn't Shinji. Doesn't it have test type written on its arm? yeah. Yeah. It was something like... It's like the first field test. Because she seems super threatened by Shinji. Because Shinji... Because you get the impression that Asuka's been prepared for the role of being a pilot for a much longer time. Yes, she talks about training. Exactly. So she's had training and she's piloting or is going to pilot... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Nick is just destroying just the room. dismantling the room. And <laughs> Slowly just continue. <laughs> stuff over. She's been trained and she's piloting an EVA built for war. Yeah. Shinji has this kind of mythical reputation around him because he is the untrained idiot they stuck in an EVA and won stuck in battle somehow achieved a really high synchronisation rate with no training yeah that seems to be a big thing like how and high sync rate was won yeah. as you said but it's interesting that for all her training she's never fought an angel no because Shinji is the only person to have we know and we've Rey. seen them all yeah right. well aside from maybe a couple but yes and of course like an EVA built in Germany for some reason, the angels are only attacking Japan. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's stuff, apparently. Yeah. Well, from the movie, we know there's stuff there's under there. There's stuff down there that they want. They're interested. Mm. Anyway, so I, I guess we are getting a little bit ahead of ourselves. Cause... Yeah, no, that's fine. So uh, so pulling it back, then uh, after new, Oscar's introduction. New character. Uh, yes. Then Well, then they go up into the, oh, sorry, the yeah. captain's sort of command room on on the boat that they're the specific boat that they're on and there's a little bit of a power struggle there between Misato and the captain of the UN and that's meant to make it clear that there's a lot of very icy relations between practically every other military governmental organization and nerve which again kind of ties into what we learned during the jet, jet alone story absolutely that yeah. the j- conventional military resents how 
all the money is going to Nerve. And ever since Nerve was established, they have just been playing second fiddle. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of proud people in these organisations and they do not like it. So there's, yeah, there's a lot of like, you'll follow my orders while we're at sea. Uh, that unit is not getting activated. That's a toy. Why have you brought kids? All this kind of, all this kind of backlash and chat. And he's not happy that, yeah, you know, he's not happy to have his children running no. around. And honestly, Nerve don't come across in the most professional light <laughs> they here. They never do, though. It's like <laughs> they're idiots. <laughs> Masato plays it very cool. Yes, um, but it doesn't change the fact that there's children running around, literally running around while she's having this meeting. Yeah, like literally running around. And then the door opens, and who should it be? But the beautiful oh. ponytail wearing Kaji, who uh, is yeah, he's pretty. Uh, he's pretty rugged. He is. He's got a bit of stubble on his chin. He's uh, clearly Misato's age-ish and clearly knows her as she does him. And because she is shocked. She she is shocked. She She drops her her whole clipboard on the floor. Very shocked by his presence. And all Uh, of her papers spill forth. And uh, there's clearly, uh, as you said, a lot of tension between them. Absolutely. Uh, Because we have another weird scene. (laughs) (laughs) So odd scene. And they all sit in a... In a in the like the canteen, like the mess kind of canteen, yeah. And there's a lot of icy silence, and the like. Uh... Now this was a really hard scene to watch because there's <laughs> well... TV on in the background, <laughs> and so the sub- two sets of subtitles were coming up at the same time. Yes. And the scene was obviously it was very important that we understood what was being said on the TV because it was like a metaphor for everything that was happening around the table. Exactly. And it was quite good. <laughs> the thing is, we gave up on the English dub a while ago because it <laughs> yeah. wasn't good. So we think, let's go pure. Let's. You know, see it in the original, good. but it is hard when you've got two sets of dialogue happening. At and I've got to admit, I wasn't fully reading either of them. I don't think I was. I was prioritizing the conversation that was actually happening between the characters, so I understood pretty much all of that. But the TV, so so basically, when Kaji was sort of talking to Misato and saying things like, "Have you got a boyfriend?" and she would be like, "Shut up!" Like the TV would be saying things like, "She was cold." Like she had a cold. Like it's like a it's like a really <laughs> melodramatic romance, isn't yeah. it? It's like like a like a daytime yeah. soap. Or it something. must have been like a soap or something, yeah. And I think everyone is shocked to learn because they say, and again, it was really hard to follow if I'm honest. But there was like a, I think what shocked everyone was like a revela- revelation that they used to date, date. or something. Yeah. Like that. Everyone's like, what? And then Kaji says something to the effect of, "So Shinji, you're living with Misato now. Um, She's still like a." Something in bed. She hasn't changed or something like that. She's still yeah. a slob. Or... And then everyone's like, because <gasps> they think like, what, Shinji's sleeping with her? Which of course he isn't. Um, so yeah. So And then there's a whole bit in the conversation where Asuka is talking to Shinji and trying to one-up herself over Shinji. And again, the voiceover on the TV follows that in a funny metaphorical sort of way. It's hijinks. It is hijinks. Yeah. Again. There's and a I'm lot pretty of... sure the music's playing. A lot of hijinks. Yeah. Ex- yeah but... And there's lots of really comic, comical comedy cartoon faces. You know, like big eyes. Like, yeah. Yeah, and it, yeah, and that's probably one of the most weird things about this episode. It's very, it's, a lot of it is played for laughs. Yeah, not all of it hits home. <laughs> no, but they're really, you know, hitting for those fences. That's what I mean by there being two approaches to Evangelion, because I feel like an entirely different creative team were in charge of at least these scenes, and yeah. maybe even this whole episode. I guess it's like they must have, as we've discussed, like they must have had different writers mm. like doing stuff because on a series this long, it must be like who's gonna. Who's going to do this episode? Who's yeah. who's going to bring something well, probably, to the table here? Probably, yeah. yeah, but um, what was interesting? Yeah, and but they do say like because there's an obvious parallel here where it's like Shinji, young boy, uh, kind of chaperoned by an older, attractive woman. woman. And then of course the inversion of that is Kaji and Asuka. Yeah, yeah, of course, cause, yeah. Because they say something like, "Why are you here, Takaji?" And he says, "Oh, I'm accompanying." Asuka and yeah. and Asuka knows him clearly has known him of old and I think it's safe to say probably has a bit of a crush on him I think so. is yeah. you know you know maybe like an inappropriate like she's young he's obviously maybe double at least double her age yeah and so yeah there's a lot of like there's a lot of rivalry she feels jealous of Masato she feels jealous of Shinji because you know it's just a whole hot mess basically yeah and then the only sane one among them all is Shinji really or because Kensuke goes mental, totally <laughs> just obsessed with like you know all these women around him, and um, yeah, yeah Misato's Shinji... angry. Kaji's trying to pick a fight with Misato. Like Oscar's trying to pick a fight with Shinji, but Shinji doesn't care about anything. Yeah, best I can say for Shinji is that yeah, he comes across quite well. Yeah, like reflect <laughs> this is like the recurring theme of everything, isn't it? Compared to all these utter Fruit Loops around him, he's doing pretty well. He is. I mean, like. Even oh, I'm going to get his name wrong again. Ka- Kaji, yeah, Kaji. He comes across as he's not totally insane. 
No. At the same time, doesn't conduct him. We we don't know anything about him. No. But he's brand new. Given that he appears to be chaperoning the third child. Fourth, I no. guess. No, she's the second. Sorry. Oh yes, she's the they, second. They number them in a weird way. Yeah. So chaperoning the second child. So one of the most, again, like Shinji, one of the most important Very resources important. known to humanity. So he's clearly important. And yet, his demeanour, he doesn't act like a super high-ranking nerve official or anything like that. Like, he, he's so, like, chilled and, like, irresponsible. Laid back. Yeah, very, yeah, very laid like back. Like a child. Um, and, of course, we find out a lot more about him going forward and, and nothing... Like, that, that, that feeling that we have for him is continued, I'm pretty sure. Like, like he just... He, he's immature. Yeah. And he's... Um, I don't know. Just too laid back, really, I think. But, of course... We also find out later on in this episode, we'll get to it, that he's not just chaperoning Oscar. Mm. So, you know, he's he's very shady. And I, and I feel like you feel like he's shady from the beginning. And you're meant to kind of not trust him, I think. Because at this point, the show has done such a lot of work to make you trust Misato. Yeah. And so when she isn't happy that he appears, that immediately makes you think... Yeah, you want to trust her judgment. Because she yeah. has been pretty good. So, in certainly it. in a pinch. And, and she does it again in this episode as well. But it's like, interestingly, he is the first male authority figure to praise Shinji. True, yes. Like, he's he's surrounded by women and his father rejects him. Yeah. And suddenly he do, this guy comes along and he says, hey, you're, I hear you're pretty incredible, Shinji. Yeah. You did a you good did job. You did that angel and you have a really high sync ratio. And yeah. All that stuff. yeah. So I think, like, I, I think what happens next is that, like, Asuka uh, kind of goes to Shinji. He's like, hey, I want to show you something. That's right. I mean, I think there are a couple of scenes where we see, like... Um, don't we see Oscar and Kaji together? And oh yeah, and they're swinging. She's swinging on a railing, and he just says something like, "I can't remember what he says." Is he not talking about Shinji or something? I like think she, so. she says like, "Oh, he's so. not that yeah. impressive." And... Yes, that's it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yes, then basically it all comes. We, we get all of this chat, <laughs> but also like the there, there are quite a few boats. Yeah, and like there was the main boat they were on where the admiral was, and they were yes. talking to him. But then somehow, and we were wondering, how did they get there? Shinji and Asuka get onto another boat yeah. in the fleet. Because as you say, Asuka goes, I want to show you something, Shinji. And then suddenly... <laughs> and the next minute, we're at Unit 2. And we know for a fact that's on another boat, because when they were in the cabin with the captain, he had to look over his shoulder to... out of the window at the other boat. So I don't understand how they got there. <laughs> but they, they somehow get to this other boat. And it's weird, because you see... Unit 2. It's the first reveal of Unit 2, but it's yeah. like a soft reveal. Because it's lying down. You can't really make its shape out. Yeah. Now, we're used to seeing Unit 1 docked yeah. back at... Um, vertically. Yeah, vertically. And, you know, occasionally it is stored in a massive tank of red liquid, which is different to the LCL, I think. Yeah. Uh, but then we have, like, Unit 2 kind of, like, lying on its side, kind of, like, half-submerged in this goo on the on a boat. Was it in goo? I didn't notice that. There was some Oh, goo. that's right, because Shinji had to walk over a little floaty bridge. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And Asuka's basically just showing it off. She's so proud. Look She's at like, my Ava, she said. Yeah, like, look, this is mine. Yeah. It was made for me. I'm the only person who can pilot it, blah, blah, blah. And she said like, oh, no wonder you got such a high synchronisation rate in Unit 1. I mean, that was that was designed to test synchronisation or something like that. Yeah. Whereas like, mine's a proper... Mine's for battle. I can really use it. Yeah. And then, and then while they're in there, and while she's mouthing off, there's a boom, boom, uh, and and she goes, "That was an underwater explosion." Somehow, Oscar's very, very knowledgeable about that. Well, frankly, if you're if you're in the middle of the ocean, you hear an explosion. There's a good yeah. chance it's going to be underwater. <laughs> That's true. Um, and they look out the window, mm-hmm. and look out, look out over a railing, and one of the boats just blows up like huge spout of water. Yes, and you can see this sort of shadow under the water, and sort of kicking up of waves on the surface. Something is moving out there, mm-hmm. and Shinji goes, "Is it an angel?" and of course yeah it is and and things start escalating pretty quickly where this unseen underwater shape is attacking all the boats all the boats and I think someone says oh it's looking for something yeah and Misato says what's it doing is it here for unit 2 and they're all very confused as to why there would be an angel out here like the the reason that Misato and co are here is in case of emergency but I think Misato genuinely didn't think anything was going to happen she didn't think there was anything to worry about but then suddenly sure enough there's an angel here what the heck why and 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 Asuka being desperate to prove herself is immediately like I know what we have to do Let's hop in. Let's get the Eva going. Now, at the same time, there is like uh, the captain, yeah. the admiral, is arguing 
with, with Masato because he's like, look, this is my fleet. I'm in command. And she's Let's like... Fire all the weapons. And she goes like, well, that is true. However, in any event involving an angel, the power structure shifts and nerve Take takes command. So I can take command of this entire fleet if yeah. need be. And he's like, oh, screw you and your rules and your <laughs> stupid toys. We're going to yeah. blow this thing. So it's got... Shoot, yeah, and it's not doing anything. Uh, and of course, this does beg the question, which I raised at the time. If Misato was well aware of the eventuality of there being trouble... There could have been. That's what she said. Yeah. yeah. Well, why why she... was she that? Why did she bring Shinji? Why did she bring the other kids? Well, Gendo makes a weird comment, because uh, around this time as well, Kaji's on the phone, looking out the oh, window yes, on his little telescope thingy. Watching this all crack off. Very, very calm. He Super seems calm. utterly calm. I'd be terrified. Yeah. The I mean, ocean is terrifying takes, of the best of times. We've seen two boats explode by that point. Yeah. All it takes is for his boat to be the next one that explodes yeah. and he's dead. There's only like 13 boats or yeah. something. Like, You're it, not safe, Kaji. Yeah. <laughs> it's terrifying. Just because you want the biggest boat. <laughs> and he's so lackadaisical about this. He's and he's like, clearly on the phone to Gendo and Gendo says something to the effect of, oh, don't worry. Um, you've got a new Ava. You've got the pilot. Anna saw fit to send a spare. Oh, did he say that? Yeah. How did I miss that? But I don't understand how that helps. You know, but, because whoever's in the Ava and dies and goes down with the Ava, having a spare pilot, that's irrelevant. But he's also <laughs> quite telling because he says something to the effect of, and this is where the kind of deeper mystery comes, is he says, like, don't worry, you can still get out of there. Yeah. Yeah, you can leave. But it's interesting because he wants something that Kaji has. Clearly. That's very important. But if you think about what he's saying, it's like, He'd be willing to sacrifice an entire Eva. And two pilots. And two pilots. Like 66% of the pilots on the planet <laughs> and a third of the Evas. <laughs> that they have. Just to get whatever card he has. Yeah. That is that is what is inferred from that phone call. Yeah. So meanwhile, Asuka, being a, uh, a loose a cannon... A bit of a rebel, but is, she gets results. Damn it, she gets results. Also, it appears to be on a completely unstaffed boat. <laughs> There's no one around. Don't see a single human. Opens up the entry plug, hops in, gets Shinji to wear uh, a plug suit. She puts on her plug suit, which yeah. is red, obviously, like Unit 2. Mm-hmm. Shinji has to wear one of her suits as well. Which is a bit embarrassing because it's got boobies. A little bit more comedy. <laughs> so many hijinks. <laughs> I'm surprised we didn't have a techno remix of her weird kind of honky-tonk uh, bluegrass theme. <laughs> well, we'll get to techno remixes. Oh, yeah, that's a good point, yeah. <laughs> They hop into the entry plug. Yeah. This is the first of many... No, I'm not going to say the first. It is one of the more baffling <laughs> moments in the series. <laughs> because by the by Evangelion's own established law, it made a great point of this in episode four or three. If there is more than one person inside an entry plug, you get massive confusion. Yeah. Because it can't read two brains at once. And I don't know what they did to get around Toji and Kensuke being in it that time. I don't know why. Because at the end of the day, <laughs> Shinji still fought the angel, despite yeah. the thought noise. So, I get, anyway, so you're right. It was it was surmountable. It did get over it. They clearly did. But but still, they made a massive point of it. Yeah. And so sure enough, like they both pile into the entry plug. Uh, Shinji sort of sitting behind Oscar's seat. Yeah. Um, and she powers it up, and she speaks German to power it up. Yes, which was interesting. Yeah, and but she says like a, she go she goes through like a kind of launch sequence Check in sequence, her head. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then there's like brrr, 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 and everything's flashing red, and it says error in German everywhere. Yes, and uh, and this is obviously because of the thought noise, and it's a bit more hijinks. Yeah, but she drags him into the entry plug. Yeah, confined space, and then she keeps going like, "Oh, don't touch me! Don't touch me!" You're oh, you're, you're sitting so close. Yeah, and it's also like sexual something. hijinks. <laughs> but then. But then she goes like, oh, you idiot, you're confusing the you're system. In Japanese. Why are you thinking in Japanese? And he's like, well, that's, my, that's my language. He's like, you doofus, think in German. And then he just goes, oh, strudel. Frankfurter, like sausage. <laughs> like, just goes, <laughs> and she's like, oh, fine. Then so, fine, I'll switch to Japanese, which is obviously what she should have done. Point one. Also, Miss Granger, I have Hello, a question. Uh, does it not normally take a team of like 5,000 technicians <laughs> to launch, a, launch an EVA? At a massive facility. How does she do it? Maybe. They're it's... only doing that. For employment contracts. <laughs> we built this massive facility. We need to no, fill it with We're going to provide 60,000 jobs. Guaranteed. Could we, could we be charitable and say it's because it's a combat-ready EVA? Yes, John. That's what we should do. It can be activated on the fly. Even though it's operating with B-type equipment. 
Yes. Which is mentioned probably 27 times. <laughs> no. Do we know what B-type equipment is? At this <laughs> no. Point? no, we have no idea what... So everyone's like, oh my god, they can't fight in an aquatic environment. It's, it's, it's only using B-type It's equipment. only got B-type armour. Not that we've ever seen an Ava fight in water yet. Anyway, so you could have just said, they're not equipped to fight yeah. in water. <laughs> what does the B stand for? Buoyancy. That's completely irrelevant. <laughs> it, it can't do it. And... um. I completely lost my train of thought. <laughs> well, anyway, yes. So they activate the Eva. Yes. Uh, after switching to Japanese. And in a glorious revelation, it gets up, still in its sort of tarp. We've still not seen it properly, have no, we? No, because we can really only see its feet and then its tarp. This is very cool, actually. Yeah. Um, and then Misato, sort of mid-fight with the Admiral, sort of leans out the window and goes, yeah, go Oscar, because of course she's in this power struggle. She can't authorise it. And she's actually quite happy to see that Oscar has just gone ahead and do it. Nobody seems particularly scared. No. Arguably, there's a much greater chance of them dying right now than there has been in any previous battle. Because all they have to do is fall off the boat and they'll die. Especially when a giant, you know, 100-foot shiny red robot is leaping from boat to boat. Yes. I I mean, (laughs) Misato acts rather oddly in this episode, I feel. She's never... The severity of what's happening never seems to register on anyone. I don't know. But but yes, you're right. So uh, so the Eva Unix 2 is under a massive tarp and then suddenly, leaps into the air. Leaps, the action music starts, and it does, frankly, a pretty awesome landing yeah. on another boat. So it is like playing like leapfrog, because it has only the surfaces of these boats to play with. And its power counter is already counting down from a minute. That's the only charge it clearly had in the battery was a minute's worth. And it's now wearing the tarp like a pretty awesome cape. Yeah, like poncho cape thing, like a western cowboy. Which is just shamelessly awesome. It yeah. is. It's just under Bravo, point. guys. Yeah. yeah, you won some brownie points back with that one. But it's leaping to get to what the helicopter had brought, which was the plug. Yes. Uh, plug something. God, I'm glad plug you were paying attention. Apparatus. It is, yeah. yeah um, it has brought a plug. Yes. Well, Misato has brought a plug with her in case of emergency power up. Okay, so normally an Eva runs off the national grid of Japan. Yeah. When the power cable is severed, it then has five minutes internal power. Correct, John. So Eva Unix 2 starts off here with only one minute of power. Which would suggest it was sort of, yeah, Being charged. transported in a kind of like semi-active state. But then when it's plugged in, does it at that point get ongoing power? Yes, because they mention, you see the display go to 888888888. Yes. Which is what it always does when the power's full. And they mention connecting it to the reactor of the boat. Ah, so we're going to assume it is a nuclear... Boat, much yeah. in the same way that you have nuclear submarines. Exactly. Okay, okay, okay that makes sense. Exactly yeah. That, yeah. So I was thinking it must be a hell of a battery on that <laughs> boat. <laughs> hell of a boat battery. Captain, Captain's personal <laughs> toilet turns that light on. <laughs> Radiance of a thousand suns. <laughs> so we see Oscar grab the plug and plug it in herself manually. She, yes. she reaches around her back and plugs it into her spine. Which is frankly, takes a surprising amount of dexterity. I struggle to put my shoes on, John. Yeah, no idea. Uh, that's why I'm not wearing any trousers right now. I wonder now. how Evangelians tie their shoelaces. They have, they have kind of like uh, loafers. <laughs> Just slip on <laughs> There's no laces, yeah. <laughs> crocs. <laughs> oh, God. But, so, but now, crocs. Eva Unix 2 has unlimited power. Yes. Uh, assuming that cable doesn't break. Let's hope not. And is now, but is now tethered to a, to boat. a boat. Yeah. And then the angel is coming, and he's at the moment dun, 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 just for shape dun, dun, underwater, dun, dun, dun. and then it leaps out like of the a water. Dolphin out of the water. And I've got to say, I you don't see a lot of it. No. Uh, but as angels go, it is it is quite a nice looking angel. It's really big. Like uh, we see it in comparison to the size of Unit Two. And if this was on land, I think it may be the biggest angel that we ever see. Yeah. So far, I mean. Oh, I don't know. I mean, maybe Ramiel is bigger. The, big, the crystal. Big old diamond dude. Maybe. But it's a close one. Because it's, it's like this massive, like, floppy crocodile squid. It looks very prehistoric. It does, actually, yeah. And it's very long. Very, very long. It might be, like, the longest angel. Bright white with an almost different coloured underbelly, if I remember rightly. Yeah. And a really big, long maw. Like, ma- massive, massive mouth. I've got to and say... its weird little mask. Yes, like all the... Now, this one is called, I had to double check it, uh, this is the sixth angel, uh-huh. and this is Gagiel. Gagiel. Or Gagiel, the H is probably uh, silent, Gagiel, yeah. which uh, evageeks.org, your number one stop for Eva-related news, Absolutely. Uh, tells me, uh, vaguely re- resembles a, a mosasaur. Which was a prehistoric uh, yeah, aquatic if you're me a picture, lizard. And it does, it does resemble that. So yeah, um, 
And it and it, it leaps onto the deck of the aircraft carrier. Bear in mind, it's already much bigger than the boat. It just kind of like flops over it. Yeah. Bikes down onto Eva Unit Two, and Eva Unit Two is like, you know, it, it's tiny. Like yeah. it's it's just in its jaws. It's like the size of a sandwich. Yes. To it. In comparison, yeah. yeah. And then it falls underwater. Pulling Unit 2 underwater. Yes. Uh, now, Unit 2 is tethered yes. to the boat. And we see this winch going... Also, I don't, I don't want to stress, like because it, it, it starts towing the boat around. Yeah. Does, it's... It, does it move the boat? I thought it did. Oh, no, it didn't. Sorry. No, no, no. I don't think it moves the boat. But, um, yeah, it's just reeling off loads of cable. But they say, good God, like, how much cable do we have left? And the guy goes, uh, 1,200 metres. <laughs> They have over a kilometre of cable. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah. That's more than they seem to have in like a city battle. Like. Yeah. That's a huge amount of cable. Uh, but then uh, they're... And also underwater. Yes. You see a whole sunken city. You do. A city with skyscrapers, traffic lights, you know, um, street lights, roads, buildings. And you see a sort of aerial shot of it as the uh, the angel is pulling... Uh, the cable and sort of smashing into the ground and you see it leave this sort of wake of destruction through an abandoned sunken city. It does make you wonder exactly where they are then because they can't be in the middle of the Pacific anymore. Yeah. This must be a, a Japanese... They must be close to Japan. This must be yeah. a like a Japanese suburb or city which has been I guess. submerged in second impact. Yeah. But um, I'm sure people mentioned a few times that uh, Unit 2 is using the B-type equipment. Yes. Uh, <laughs> it's underwater. <laughs> Which apparently means it can't move underwater yes. for some reason. And then I, I think the angel disconnects from Unit 2. And it's just sort of hanging there underwater. Yeah. And Oscar's trying to operate the handles of the cockpit and it's just doing nothing. Just and Shinji's like, kind of like wrestling the controls as well. Like he's trying to do stuff, but either Unit 2 just isn't really not responding moving really at, all. at all. And also around this time... Uh, a blue little jump jet appears on the surface That's of the right, boat. That's right, on the deck. And Kaji's in there with a little pilot. Not a little pilot, but he's got a pilot with him. Yeah. And little, he's like, uh, hey, uh, hey Misato, um, I've got a package to deliver. I'm sure you've got all this all under wraps. Um, so I'll see you later. I'll see you around. And he just takes off. I'm yeah. like, I can't believe it. Yeah, and Misato's running... like, what a coward. He's running away. Can't That's believe what he's... she thinks he's doing. Can't believe he's running away. Doesn't make but any he sense. Does have a package to deliver. So anyway, like, we're kind of like, we have a situation where Eva Unix, who is underwater... Uh, Toji says something like, "Oh, is it just like fishing?" Just like fishing, and, and Misato's like, like oh, "Fishing, of course, fishing." Our stratagem is. I have a stratagem, <laughs> and her strategy is: <laughs> we're gonna sacrifice two boats. Yes, two. You know what, Nick? I hope they got the people off. Yeah, because I... a lot of people have died, and no one has really batted I'll parachute to safety. <laughs> Nobody has cared. Yeah. <laughs> Arguably, this episode has the highest body count we've seen. Actually, yeah. Because they evacuate the city normally. Yeah. But each one of these battleships is full of... Hundreds of people. You know, poor seamen and women, kind of like, who are just all dead. <laughs> yeah, dead. Lots of people have died. Somehow they're going to force two uh, battleships... Yes. ...underwater. Yes. Like, sort of heading down at an angle, in the exact same angle as the fishing line. Yeah, like, they flooded it. They flooded... They've the scuppered the boats. yeah. And they've um, connected them to the cable. Oh, they connected the cable. They're, they're kind of like like. Uh, oh, I didn't realise they were connected. And I think the idea is that they use Eva Unix two like bait. Yes. So that when, uh, Saggy Gagiel Gagiel grabs onto Unit two, they then start wheeling in the cable. That's correct. It must be a hell of a motor on that cable. Now, if they're wheeling in the cable, the boats can't be connected to the cable because they go the wrong way. You're right. So I, I always thought they were just following the cable, which is very precise. Well, good work to them because they, but, did, a, they yeah, did a good job. How, if it's manned. Then that makes sense. But if they're unmanned, mm. how are they doing that? Are they remote controlling these boats somehow? Because as we said, like they're all dead on board otherwise, because these boats are gonna yeah. go fully underwater. So these the, the idea is that Unit 2 will be used as the lure. Yes. Will wheel in this angel, and then as it's coming up, either Unit 2 has to get the angel's mouth open. Yeah. And we will drive these two sinking battleships into its, into mouth. its mouth. They will then open fire with all their weaponry. Because we've seen the red exposed core in the middle of its throat. Yes. Although only Unix 2 has seen that. Yeah. It's not like the people on the boat knew that. No, and no one tells Masato that that's there. No. And then once they've opened fire inside the angel's mouth, they will both self-destruct. Yes. And kill the angel. That's the plan. No, I think you said it at the time. Why does that work? Yeah. Why do they even think that would work? The only reason I can think that they think that that will work, or that Masato thinks that that will work, because that's her plan, is because it's a guaranteed way to attack the exposed core. 
Yeah. So that whenever they've tried to attack, like say the third angel, the very first angel that we see, uh, with classic weaponry, they fired on it, but the core is hidden deep inside it. Mm. It's never been out, and it has incredible recuperative abilities. Well, so you can't get to mm. it. It's an interesting angel because it's the only aquatic angel we've seen. Yeah. And also, a lot of the angels have kind of energy attacks. Yeah. Which are often more dangerous. And the only thing we've seen this one do so far is swim and, and bite. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, maybe, I don't know. It's like, yeah, if we assume that the other battleships are nuclear as well in some capacity. Certainly if they explode, maybe, yeah, then that might... Yeah. I don't know. At the end of the day... It is a bit weird that they make a huge point to the captain of the uh, the admiral of the fleet that the only way you can defeat an angel is A, with an AT field, and B, with hand-to-hand combat with Avers. And then they do kill it with battleships. <laughs> I've got to say, and I was, I was going to maybe comment on this at the end, but I think this episode is perhaps the most inconsistent with mm. the own rules they've established. And you know what that says to me? That it is an entirely different creative team. That they inherited... A mythology, obviously. Yeah. And they wanted to tell a more hijinksy sort of story, but then had to obviously do the Ava and Angel bits as well. So they did, but it's almost like they didn't really know what they were talking about. It's like we want the we want to have an awesome fight at sea. Yeah. But we don't have the whole crew required to launch an Eva. No. So we'll just kind of say that happens. Yeah. Like we want them to fight an Eva, uh, an Angel underwater. And we want we want the ships to blow it up, but yeah, there's no evidence of this angel even having an AT field. No, like it doesn't do anything like the other angels. And it's... certainly, if it did have an AT field, then, a, then two blowing up battleships would have no effect on it whatsoever. So it is weirdly inconsistent. You're absolutely right about that. But anyway, Unit Two manages to activate when the two uh, pilots, Asko and Shinji, both really think hard, really hard. Yeah, they're like, we have to open the mouth. Yeah, it's like, yeah, and so they're, they're both going like, open, open, open. Open, open, open. And suddenly Unit 2 goes... Yeah, its eyes activates. light up, which is very cool. It is cool. And uh, then it uses its arms to push the t- uh, the jaw wide open just in time for the battleships to collide into its mouth. And and yeah, and then... Uh, boom, boom, boom. Go into its mouth, fire, 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 and then detonate. And we see the ocean surface, big boom. explosion, massive pillar of water coming up. And then Eva Unit 2 does like a spectacular landing on a boat and then just face Powers planks, down. just yeah. utterly just, just slaps no down. power connection anymore. And... I think, honestly, that's kind of it. Like, we then cut to... Oh, no, everyone makes it back to land. Yep. And uh, Ritsuko, we see Ritsuko. Yes, uh, alongside the boat as it's sort of unloading in Japan. And she's like, wow, that was pretty... Talking to Masato, going like, wow, you really kind of... Pretty mental. You pulled out the bag there. And she's like, I should have thought ahead. I should have anticipated underwater combat. A little bit of me going, yeah. Yeah, you're at sea. You were... You showed enough, you know, foresight... To assume that an angel would attack, and your job was in case of emergency. Here is a plug. So yeah, what was your plan if it did attack? What if like another (laughs) angel that was in any way similar to Ramiel had attacked? That's it. They'd be absolutely screwed. Yeah. Like this is why it's a bit of an odd episode because because normally they're very. (laughs) One thing you say about Eva, like nobody has any idea what's going on, but you can guarantee that somebody within the creative team did. Yeah. They just weren't giving away any secrets. When this one, it's like. Yeah, just some odd decisions. It was it was almost like they wanted they built the episode around like badass or hijinks moments mm. because it's like the scene with Unit Two suddenly powering up because the two pilots willed it so. That's not something that they've ever said the Avers can or do do. do or, or or why having because because um, Risuko says this is look at this amazing data. Yeah, their they, synchronization was incredible. They broke all records with their sync ratio, and it's like what by willing it. But, it, but it, the way they say it, it's like it is Pacific Rim. Yeah. Where it's like, it goes, good grief, the two of them were so in sync. Together, yeah, exactly. But, but that's not a thing. No, it's it, not a dual piloted thing. No, that's <laughs> never been a thing. Like, and also, like, I'm pretty sure your sync ratio is just, you know, what it is. You can't up it by wishing that, that your sync ratio is higher. Or throwing know? another person in. It's just never been a precedent set for willpower over, you know, uh, against all odds. Yeah. Being something that powers up a unit. Like, that never... What what happens. what normally would have happened is that if Shinji, have gone yeah exactly yeah exactly if 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 Asuka wasn't even a factor if Shinji was trapped in the jaws of an Eva and couldn't get it to move the it, thing would go berserk and would, go and would wake up yeah, and exactly. I don't know if this is meant to be some weird equivalent of that but when that happens Shinji is not synchronized and not in control that's the whole point yeah it's very weird it is weird uh, and as cool as it is and I do enjoy the episode and I did enjoy the episode it is. 
I think what we've nailed just by talking about it is 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 it just feels so disconnected from all the other ones. Mm. It's it's really weird. It's, yeah, uh, and I I think like that really does almost wrap up the episode now. Like the the only kind of key two scenes are we cut to Gendo's spooky office, massive office, and Kaji is there. He is there. And he's got a massive suitcase, very battered looking suitcase, but it's a very big, chunky, utilitarian, like futuristic sort of kind of future case. And uh, he goes like, this is what I'm delivering. And he goes, I don't suppose the angel was after this, do you? And suddenly you're like, oh, oh. I thought it was after unit two. What but is, obviously not. What's all this? And also Gendo's phone call at the very beginning of the episode saying the cargo is on, in you know, tra- in, in transit. In cargo yeah. in transit. He was talking about this. Yeah. He wasn't talking about unit two at all. He doesn't care about unit two. It's a clever smokescreen. Like, Gendo! Like, I guess, because he's playing a big game. Big they, old game. I guess shipping it with Unit 2 was quite smart. Because it could protect it? Well, I, also because, like, I'm guessing this is all very covert. Like, Kaji, oh, yeah. Kaji's coming across like a spy. Here. Super spy. And then it's like, well, I guess if you want to keep the item in this briefcase secret, you could tell everyone, oh, the angel was after Unit 2. Yeah. Plus, Kaji says the words, this is vital for the human instrumentality project. Yes. And he says, now bear in mind, it's still alive. Yeah. We've sealed it in, like, Jura Bakelite, like yes. it, it's it's sealed in there, but it's still alive and it's already recovered its body to this point. Yeah, you know, how like, amazing is what that? What the hell is this? Yeah, and he opens the suitcase, and what what's in the suitcase? Uh, what it's what looks like a little human embryo in mm. in what looks like amber or resin, but about the size of like your hand. Yeah, a big, bigger, bigger embryo than you'd expect. And he goes, he goes, this is key to the human instrumentality project. He goes, yes, it is the first human. It is Adam. End of episode. Fly me to... But then... <laughs> uh, but, but wait, there's more. Uh, oh, yeah, and uh, Asuka is now in their class at school. Oh, yes. The, yeah, then that episode runs. Wacky. Then, then that bit runs, which is that, oh, Asuka's the new student. And get my bluegrass guitar out again. Yeah. And then fly me to the moon. But now fly me to the moon with a sort of... Uh, synth pop drum beat behind it. Yeah, and and we were thinking like I don't recall the I don't recall the end credits music ever changing. And also we were we were doubting ourselves as well because I I wondered whether the intro credits had changed. Yeah, because because Oscar features in it now. Yeah, because like there's a bit you know the classic intro which everybody because has become iconic. But it's like the two silhouettes of two you get girls. Two, a silhouette of two two girls moving past the camera vertically, and it's like I swear before they were both Ray, and now now one is Asuka, who yeah. has a longer hair, and also Asuka does appear uh, in some of the flashy sort of bits. And we were suddenly well. trying asking ourselves, was she, was she always, always there? there? <laughs> you jokes like it, before we just had kind of like filler panels, just and... like you know when uh, you know when you don't have a JPEG on your computer <laughs> and you get that weird little broken <laughs> like a square circle and triangle with a with. A... <laughs> A broken line through it. <laughs> Insert file here. <laughs> oh my god! So, um, that that is the wrap. That um, is the episode. Um, Nick, what are your what are your thoughts at the end? Well, it's funny. Like, I got to the end of it when we were watching it, and I was like, "Yeah, that was pretty fun." You know, I enjoyed it. Um, and <laughs> and then since we've talked about it, I, I just it's really driven home how I think it was written by like. A substitute teacher or something. <laughs> like, oh, call Gary in. He can do an episode. We've got a gap. And the Gary's like, what's this show about? What's it about? And it's like, oh, no, it's about robots and fighting. Guys, I've, kids. Got, I've got five minutes. Key words. What have yeah. we got? Robots. Kids. <laughs> right, okay. So family friendly. Um, no, I'm going to go with that. All right. <laughs> it's, a, it's a cartoon. Ca- <laughs> it's a cartoon. It's for children. <laughs> so what's this about an AT film? Forget about it. Give me... <laughs> I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll give you. I'll give you five minutes of japes. You got. You got five minutes of hijinks. We'll have a bit of a. Oh, a little bit of. Oh, a little bit of lady. It's what I call the Gary recipe for success. You get. You get a. You get a bit. Bit of thigh. Bit of laughs. You know, action. Job done. I think uh, this will come to be known as a Gary episode. <laughs> and if there are future Gary episodes, then we can, we can refer to that. <laughs> Gary read the notes, didn't <laughs> Gary did his research. Yeah, he did. And he made this. <laughs> and everyone went, I guess we've got to shoot it. And, they and like, they're looking at the finished product and they're like, and, and Gary's like, tell me I didn't deliver. And they're like, well, it's not quite what we had in mind. He said, ah, but has right. it not done everything which yeah. Evangelion does? And we're like, well, yes, I guess. <laughs> I guess. Hmm, yeah. It's little things like, um, 
you made the valid point of no one mentions the core. Yeah. I bet in the script, there's no mention of the core. Right? Yeah. So Gary's script, right, is, oh, yeah, we just jam a couple of battleships in there, blow them up from the inside, <laughs> Angel's done, it's over, right? And then it gets right to, like, drawing. And someone's like, it needs a core. And they're like, what? There's no core in this script. We'll fix it in post. Just draw it in. Just draw it in. <laughs> it's fine. Because that, yeah, you know, that's no... how it feels, isn't it? It's like someone decided to kill this like you would kill a giant crocodile yeah. or kill a giant alien. Like, let's blow it off the inside. That makes sense. If it wasn't for the fact that Evangelion has an incredibly strict mythology about how to kill angels, AT fields and cores. It is basically Jaws, isn't it? Yes. I hadn't thought about it until now, but <laughs> they, yeah, it's basically Jaws. It's like, it's like Cyber Jaws. Yeah. It's like... Don't they hop? Yeah, they they basically get a canister in in the shark's mouth and shoot it and blow yeah. it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. weird. So yeah, so it's a Gary episode. That's my thoughts on it. Okay, uh, <laughs> using that terminology, I think you can forgive a lot by saying it's a Gary episode. <laughs> um, I. It's, oh, this is a complex one. It is because it? I. I had kind of fond memories of Jet alone. Yeah. And actually... That superseded. Yeah. And actually, it went above and beyond what I was expecting of it. I Absolutely. thought it would be a fun... I thought it would be what this episode kind of represented. I thought it would be a daft, forgettable, fun mm. little throwaway story. It actually elevated the series. This one was like... I kind of had this idea in my head of what it would be like. And actually... Maybe disappointing is the wrong word, but it was kind of just like... It felt very average okay for me bordering on maybe slightly below average like because it did a lot to drive the story i don't know i'm really confused about it like it introduced a I lot of like, new stuff i feel like it just plateaued you know yeah like, maybe it wasn't on a, as on as a high as jetalone yeah but it's like it didn't really do anything wrong that's that's it that's maybe probably, that's yeah it. maybe that's the definition it isn't it perfectly delivered it it just didn't do anything special. No. And really the only mythology that it furthered was this mysterious Kaji embryo Adam thing, mm. which, although you could argue is significant and knowing the future of the story, it is. At this point, you you don't know what any of it means. So the words human instrumentality project would just go straight over your head because they, they're utterly meaningless. Now I've heard, I've heard it kind of said in some of the reading I've done around the community, a lot of fans talk about the series being saved when Asuka arrived on the scene really Cause, interesting because we we talked about how it's been a bit of a bumpy ride so far definitely uh and maybe the series was struggling to kind of find its voice but there's definitely been an upswing like the last few episodes were really good yeah but can you imagine what it what the series would have been like continuing at this point if there had been no asuka like yeah. if the focus had been shinji my worry is though is that the kind of people and i don't want to generalize but potentially the perspective that asuka saves the show is a little bit fan service motivated mm. because she's very much the sort of the sexy fan service yeah. character. And although I think she does save the show by virtue of more interesting characters, uh, uh, a sort of competitive aspect to the pilots, um, and obviously just a new unit, uh, I, I wonder whether you know people maybe perceive her as saving the show for other reasons. Yeah, I mean, she's very like she is. Because it, this series is, has been around for quite a while and is very highly regarded, I think mm. she's entered kind of like the pop culture as one Definitely. of these kind of like classic characters. Yeah. But it's like she's very in your face. And yeah. I know she gets... Obviously she has an arc and obviously she has a lot of her own problems as we as we learn. Mm. But it's like this is such a weirdly JP kind of uh, hijinky kind of weirdly comic episode. Yeah. It all just seems very out of place and I, I, I don't want to keep harking back to Jet Alone but that seemed like a Jet Alone was better like it came from a different show like the, the two are, are just complete yeah diametric opposites it's very that's really what we're getting at I think, odd, yeah. I think Evangelion is trying to is trying to manage these two different narratives it's trying to manage like what I said right at the beginning is this this really dark apocalyptic uh, cosmic religious metaphorical narrative and then this like JP kid centric monster of the week battle mecha story. Yeah. And, and I don't know how successfully it merges those two. And instead, what it seems to do is just swing from one to the other. And when we mire ourselves in either of those two, it gets lost. Because mm. you, I mean, you talked about like back back in the day wondering 
what would it have been like if it was a more conventional show? Yeah, yeah. Like if Shinji had been a more obviously heroic character. Yeah. This almost feels like a glimpse into that kind of yeah. parallel universe. Because it's like Shinji, as I guess we will get to when we rate the episode, conducts himself really well again. And he does kind of step in as the hero. Yeah. Because Unit 2 only really activates and saves the day when Shinji takes command of its controls. Yeah. And of course, it's like it. he... By presenting him with a rival mm. who is super brash, super in your face, super like, I'm going to prove how great I am. Yeah. It can't help but cast him as more of a hero. Yeah. Because he is quiet, unassuming. But gets the job done. Heroic in his own way because he's doing something he doesn't really want to do. He has accepted that kind of call. Cool, yeah. That's oh, very true, actually. Uh, and, and yeah, he just comes across as the most sensible person in possibly <laughs> the whole episode, really. <laughs> Which is, good God, that's saying something, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. Well, okay. Well, look. What? Let's we talk um, impact. Okay. Give it. Give it a score. Because I think I've got a number in mind. Do you? And. Oh yeah. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna come out and say it then. I, I you come out and say it. I think, and you've cemented my thoughts here by saying you think it performed perfectly adequately. Yeah. Did everything it had to, but didn't elevate it. I'm gonna give it a five for wow. impact. Okay. I'm going to go higher than that. Mm-hmm. I was going to say a seven. Interesting. And my reasoning was, is that some of what I base the impact on is the sort of, uh, because of how little impact we had in earlier episodes. And that is usually due to the fact of nothing really happening. Fair amount does happen. Mm-hmm. And there's some strong action sequences, which for a robot giant mecha anime is fairly important. <laughs> yes. So I would, I would argue that some of what defines impact is badassery with ro- giant robots, which mm-hmm. we did have. With, with reckless abandon. So we could go half and half if you want. We could uh, make it six. Make it six. Which is still a pretty respectable... Impactful score. Yeah, because there were some genuinely cool moments. Mm. I just think tone is perhaps the issue. Yeah. And I think the same material, arguably even the same script, maybe with some tweaks, you know, <laughs> but handled with the same uh, confidence and kind of in its own... Uh, language following its own <laughs> rules you know yeah, yeah. I, I just think like there's it certain could, moments could have doubled the quality of the episode. yeah it, it feels like I don't know it feels like it was directed by a different hand it's a Gary uh, episode John it was a Gary episode yeah <laughs> like I said I feel the same material but in the core t- in the hands of the core team it does have... feel like uh, the sub team yeah you know like someone else the other the, the, the main team needed a break yeah we could be completely wrong about this, but that, that's how it feels. It's a famous thing in anime, I know, that because um, I remember noticing it really more substantially in Gurren Lagann than any other anime I've ever watched. But then ever since I looked it up in Gurren Lagann, I then found out this happens a lot, mm. is that sometimes budgets and writing teams and things conspire to create the odd episode, which is broken in some way. And I think it's something like the fourth, fifth or sixth episode in Gurren Lagann. Um, yes. The art style completely changes. And, and it's something to do... I can't remember. I read the story, but I can't remember the details of it. But it's something to do with the fact that the primary art team either went on strike or weren't available because they were working on later episodes, which had a much greater demand of them. And so there was this weird sub-team that came in and they just couldn't quite not only capture the style and look of the characters, but the quality of animation was rubbish. And the story was just about training uh, Shimon, the main character, by chucking rocks at him. Like, that I was the remember, whole story. Yeah, no, and it was very simplistic. And they did, yeah, they nothing happened. And it was these big fluffy monsters were the villains of the episode and they tried to eat them, but they turned out to still be alive. And there was lots of recycling of animation. It was really bad. It was an all-round really awful episode. And it was so standout bad that I ended up looking it up and finding out this whole story. And finding out that a lot of animes have this one or two episodes here and there that just seem and feel completely wrong. It's like, they've got to deliver. They have to get an episode. They have to get an episode out. But yeah. it's a Gary episode. Exactly. It's a Gary episode. And I, and I think... That's what's happened here. I do. I think that's what's happened here. I think you could be onto something quite profound with Gary here. <laughs> I wonder how many other Gary episodes there will be. I really can't wait now. If indeed there will be any. Do we have to add something to our uh, <laughs> to our on-screen graphic? Yeah, we need a special badge, basically. <laughs> Gary, Gary rating, yeah. Um, well, what about Shinji's score? Well, he performed pretty admirably in this episode. Yeah. Standard. He didn't act in the Shinji way that we defined at the beginning of this series. So I, I have a score for Shinji. Yes. Uh, I know I gave him a very... We, last episode, we gave him half a Shinji. Yeah, I think I went zero. That's right. You went one. That's right. And we split it down the middle. 
uh, as is the biblical way. <laughs> uh, but I, I, I don't want to be repetitive, but I almost want to... Okay, well, I'll tell you my score again. My score is one this time. Okay. Right, and, yeah. and the reason is, is that in Jet Alone, he gave, he, he did some very heroic things, right? He did stuff like cared about Misato. Um, he, the way he acted and operated, we really commended in the last episode. This one, although he did some cool stuff, he was, he was a, a less interesting He's character. He's more passive. He's Very kind passive. of dragged along. And there's made a big deal of how dull and uninteresting he is. And he doesn't defend himself. And although he does kind of save the day, he also does it with Oscar. So I believe that there is a little bit of shinginess there. Yeah, okay. I, I think that is a fair point. And I will actually uh, change okay. my, my number to be a one. So we'll, as well. we'll agree that he's a one. Because he's not cowardly. He's not mopey or no. anything like that. It's just not his show. And he's just not as good as he is in Jedi. No, he's just kind of like dragged along yeah. for the ride. Yeah, but he, awesome. he doesn't... You know, he, he doesn't balk at any, balk at anything. He always, he goes along with it. That is his thing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he just gets carried along. To his credit, like he, he arguably would have been more effective in the, in the main control seat than, than Asuka. Arguably would have been, especially if it was unit one. Yeah. So there we go. A six on impact and a one, one on Shinji. Shinji rating. So there we go. A Gary episode. <laughs> It's not going to set the world on fire, but it certainly... It just kept it, it kept the wheels turning, didn't it? It kept, yeah. kept the cogs greased. And I, 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 I think, for me, my memory, completely uncharted territory now. Yes, no, me too. I, I couldn't tell you what the next episode was. I haven't... I can remember one episode in particular. I can remember a couple of standout yeah. episodes, particularly one. And I know coming. we've discussed them coming up, so that I know they're on the horizon. But they could be the next one. Could be the next one, could be anything. I yeah. don't know. It's going to be very interesting. Back on familiar territory, we're back in Tokyo 3. Yes. I'm actually quite excited for the next episode because I genuinely don't know what's coming. Yeah. Like, no idea. Because it's like, when you rewatch anything, it's like, you always remember the opening few episodes. Yeah, and then yeah. you'll probably remember the next few episodes. And you remember the end. Yes. Yeah. But we're in, we're right in the heart of it now. Yeah. Deep, deep, deep impact. Is <laughs> <laughs> that another film entirely? I think another film entirely, yeah. Second deep, deep, uh, deep Evangelion. <laughs> right down the rabbit hole now. Oh, yeah. I'm excited. Should we, should we wrap it up? Let's, let's round it off. Well, it's been delightful. It has. It's actually, I've actually felt more more alive <laughs> in this past, he said, looking at the clock. Maybe this will be, it'll cure your incoming cold. I feel better. Good. I feel I feel more pronounced. Energised. I feel taller. <laughs> There's a greater spring in my step. You do look incredible. <laughs> I have a massive plug coming out of my back, which is... <laughs> which you really struggled to put in, but you managed. Once I did. Oh, it's great. The level is incredible. It's out of my league. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, on that note, I guess we should sign off in traditional fashion. Mm-hmm. So, uh, thank you, everyone for listening if you enjoy our podcasts and indeed our comics or games do consider checking out our Patreon do do at www.patreon.com forward slash big punch studios we we do other things beyond talking about Evangelion <laughs> believe it or not we have a life outside of Shinji <laughs> uh, we make we make stories of our own and maybe you, maybe you'd like to nitpick them as much as we are <laughs> you write a podcast about our comics and uh, that'd be great <laughs> we'll be your number one fans <laughs> yeah. uh, but until next time uh, dear listener remember however bad your life may be you could always be Shinji Akari Ooh. Oh. <laughs>